So Money, episode 1191, Catherine Alford, author of Mom's Got Money, a millennial mom's guide to managing money like a boss. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Moms are so good at so many different things. And I've seen a lot of ingenuity in this pandemic as well. Welcome to So Money, everybody. April 26, 2021. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. We're going to spend some time today with my friend and author, Catherine Kat Alford, who has a new book out called Mom's Got Money, A Millennial Mom's Guide to Managing Money Like a Boss. I know she has been working on this book for years and has not given up on this concept of writing her story and giving her advice on how to navigate motherhood and managing money at the same time. Catherine, I know, helped her husband go through medical school. She is the mother to twins. All the while, she's run her own business, managed the budget, paid all the bills, helped build wealth in her family. She speaks from the heart and from the front lines. Mom's Got Money is a mother's guide, an instructional manual to help us use the skills we already possess to become extraordinarily confident managers of our money. And if you're listening and you're not a mom and you're about to tune off, I encourage you to stick with us. Her advice can help all of us. Whether you're taking care of a kid or just taking care of yourself or taking care of parents, if you have people you consider your family that you take care of, you're motherly. And I would love for you to share in this conversation with us. Here is Catherine Alford. Catherine Alford, welcome back to So Money. So many years later, we're catching up, but you've got some big news, namely a book. Mom's Got Money. Mom's Got Money, a millennial mom's guide to managing money like a boss. I know this has been a labor of love, years in the making. So firstly, congratulations. Thank you so much. It feels fitting that you're my first interview on the book tour because you were there when it all started. (laughs) I knew you back when. I mean, we want to get into all of your advice for mothers who want to, quote unquote, have it all. What does that even mean now? And your advice for uh, encouraging women to pursue life as leaders in their in their professional lives, in their personal lives. You're doing it, so pulling a lot from your own experiences. Take us back to why you wanted to write this in the first place. I mean, I know that this is very true to your journey and very much like your narrative. But writing a book is it takes a lot of work, yeah. as you know. And and I know that you had to really push for this concept, right. even though it seems like we we need this stuff more than ever. So what, what was the resistance about? Well, I was really committed to writing a book for moms specifically. I felt like my life changed completely. I gave birth to twins in 2014. And I just felt like a lot of the advice geared towards moms was like, hey, look on Pinterest to save money on your grocery bill or like clip coupons. But I didn't see a lot of um, high level advice for really ambitious 
moms. And when I pitched this book over many years, I had some publishers say like, well, we'll consider it, but make it for all women. And so I'd kind of change it. And then, you know, all these different things happened. But in the end, I felt like I got to write the book I wanted to write. I was just really committed to having a money book that was very specific to the motherhood journey. Yeah. And actually in reading the first few pages of the book, I was delighted to see that what I was reading was what I read five, six years ago, your first draft. I don't know if the whole, obviously the whole book (laughs) isn't like this and you didn't have the whole book back then, but the personal story that you tell in the beginning about discovering that you, uh, you know, when you're at age 26 are carrying twins uh, and the shock that that sent through your entire body and the initial fears that that uh, came because of that, uh, that is still very much the opening story. That narrative uh, <laughs> in all these years has remained the sort of turning point for you. And I want to just read a little bit from that section. Here you are in the hospital discovering you're having twins. You write, in that moment when the tech showed me my twins, I felt a healthy dose of shock. Much as my husband and I were trying to start a family, I did not once expect to be staring at a screen with two little dots on it. I went that home in a daze, holding the long sheet of ultrasound pictures with little lines pointing to the dots that said twin A and twin B. I felt different. I just couldn't believe it. I had two extra people with me. The responsibility felt enormous. But from that moment forward, it was clear I had to prepare and plan After that, I went and vomited in the trash can, of course. Uh, Very real. And, And I think what this makes me think about is the preparation and the planning that you were prompted to do uh, is not where a lot of the, it's not the next step for a lot of women. I think that a lot of us hold on to those fears as a result, continue to feel stuck. That's my sense of things. But is that also what you think is true? I think a lot of people, they feel stuck or, and especially now, like, I mean, my kids are just turned seven and I can't even imagine having a kid now, just the influx of information and baby gears and gadgets. And like, if you don't buy this car seat, like the influx and the the feelings of like inadequacy and anxiety and not knowing if your plan is the right plan. And that's sort of the overall theme of this book is for to encourage moms to sort of step into that power and let them know, you know what's right for your family. And financially, you have all the skills already because you are a mom, because you've already made all these decisions. It's just a lot of women don't realize that they're making powerful financial choices for their moms. They already have it. It's exactly. just sort of about... Um, you know, growing those skills and fine tuning them and applying it more directly to their financial lives. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we are equipped with all of the essential skills and then some to be bosses in our lives in all realms. And, you know, your book covers so much territory from mindset to budgeting, to figuring out cash flow, saving credit, earning, such an important piece of the equation. Childcare, paying for that, the art and joy of giving. Tell me, when you were first thinking of this book five, six years ago versus when you actually wrote it for publication, I assume in a, in a different climate, right? You were probably writing this a little bit, at least uh, in the pandemic, a little bit maybe in this recession. And so what was the pivot, if any, 
in given the climate that the changes that we've experienced over the last five or six years, political changes, right? All the things. I, I think that's a great question. And I actually signed this book contract two days before picking up my kids from spring break and school being like, that's it. So for me um, and my husband, as people will learn in the book, is a physician. So he was not home. He was frontline. So I had the twins, kindergarten, Zoom. And finally, after so many years of fighting for it, I get the book deal, right? So I'm, I, I spent seven months of the quarantine being the kindergarten teacher and writing this book. And it absolutely informed how I wrote. It informed how I thought about things. And I think the biggest impact is that all of us collectively were so emotionally raw that the book came out a lot more raw than I expected. And I was a lot more vulnerable than I was planning on being because mental health was such a big factor. Uh, Black Lives Matter was a big factor, uh, you know, women's rights, all of these things, everything's really coming to a head during this quarantine. And I wanted to write a book that was very inclusive of everyone. And it wasn't just um, a narrative only for a certain type of mom. So I really tried hard to be inclusive. And every single chapter starts with a personal story. And I, I touch on, you know, some stuff, there's some stuff in there. And I think that's what makes me so nervous about it coming out. It's like, Oh, man, did I really need to share all that? Oh, well, it's sent to the printer. So what is something that you revealed that qualifies as that, you know, like, Oh, my gosh, I can't believe I went there. Tell us, tell yeah. us something. Tell it, <laughs> well, tell it. I definitely, um, I had very severe postpartum depression after having my kids. And I've talked about that a little bit over the years, but I really got into the very nitty gritty of it and, and what it felt like and all those intrusive thoughts that a lot of women experience when they first have kids. And um, I kind of went through it in a chapter where I'm saying you have to be vulnerable. You have to tell people both when you want to win with money and when you're struggling with money. Struggling alone is only going to make your mental health worse. And so I use that story about that to sort of illustrate how we have to reach out. And reaching out is a risk because you're going to find some people don't really like that you're trying to like pay off your debt. And some people are going to judge you for having so much debt, whichever path you're on. Um, but in the process, you sort of find your tribe. And so um, I kind of have a whole chapter about relationships and kind of share some uh, stories from readers about, you know, dealing with their mother-in-law and doing, you know, friends who spend too much. And it's kind of a relationship chapter, but it starts with that. How about single moms? I know that you think your husband in the beginning of the book as uh, simply the person who in your life, if, if not for him, you know, the book wouldn't exist, let alone the family unit that you have, let right. alone, you know, so many things. But there are so many millennial moms who are doing this solo. And I wonder how do they create their tribe or what, what, what advice do you have for them when it comes to building those relationships to support your ambitions? Yeah, that's a great question. And I made sure to mention single moms throughout the book too, because um, in fact, one of my chapters, the only chapter story that is not about me is about a friend of mine who's a single mom who like forgot to pay her Nordstrom credit card and she freaks out about it. And I kind of help her through it. But I really acknowledge that single moms have a bigger burden. And especially in the childcare chapter, I, I discuss and acknowledge that they have a harder time. And 
it's going to be more challenging for them to build their tribe and to reach out. But again, the overarching message is to let moms know that it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to be vulnerable. And, um, you know, finding other moms and finding people that they can rely on. You know, I kind of bring up, you know, find a, find your buddy at work who's like going to be your, you know, sit down and have the bag lunch with you at work. And um, so, yeah, there is some there is some advice and definitely a nod to the single moms out there. Lots of respect for sure. Yeah. The book is called Moms Got Money, but yet there are many moms, many women who in the last 12 months or so lost their source of income because they had to leave their jobs or were fired in the recession and pandemic. And and so what is your advice for women who might have to rebuild their earnings potential and their revenue streams? I know for you, you've always had this sort of entrepreneurial spirit and you have designed your career independently, but most people work, you know, within the confines of a company and are vulnerable to that. And that comes with its own set of, you know, risks and rewards. But what's your advice for the traditional working mom who may have lost her job in the last 12 months? Sure. The very beginning of the book kind of breaks it down to the nitty gritty of encouraging people to run the numbers and see where you start. And and I make sure to say in the book, like if you're starting with a negative number, you know, running this net worth calculation, like no biggie. It's just going to your chart is going to look awesome at the end. Right. It's going to be a way bigger graph. And I teach people how to do their net worth calculation first before I even get to the budget meeting, because I want people to know that this is what we're, we're aiming towards. We're not trying to nickel and dime our budget. We're aiming for an overall growth of wealth. And there is a chapter on negotiating and earning extra money. And I address stay-at-home moms and working moms, some moms like me, maybe a combination of the two, depending on the day. And I sort of teach them how to earn extra money. I give different examples. And I teach the moms who are the working moms in traditional jobs some advice about negotiating. And of course, when it comes to earning uh, investing. But for the moms that have totally, they're starting from zero. I think my advice to someone who's a friend, someone who's applied to a ton of jobs, I would encourage that sort of entrepreneurial mindset. Again, moms are so capable. Moms are so good at so many different things. And I've seen a lot of ingenuity in this pandemic as well. What are you looking m- most forward to in, in a post-pandemic world as a working mom, besides the fact that your kids will be maybe in school full-time right. and out of the house? and everybody will have their space back. Uh, in a post-pandemic world, I'm, I'm honestly looking forward to some family time. I feel like- More the, family time? <laughs> no, well, you seem like my husband's been working the whole time and, you know, he, yeah. has, not, you know, he has not taken a, a day off and um, I'm looking forward to being like a normal family who plans a vacation and looks forward to it. And it's it's- especially in the beginning of the pandemic when none of us really knew it was happening. There's so much fear and anxiety, you know, him going to work, him coming home, you know, sleeping in a different part of the house and all these different things that I've kind of blocked from my memory. Um, so we, we've been kind of lacking in the family time. And so that's what I'm mostly looking forward to. I love following you on social media, on Instagram, where you share a lot about your day to day and um, sometimes the funny things your kids will say. And I, I remember uh, an ep- a moment, a day when your, you might have been your daughter or your son or both of them were wondering why your house was too small or your... <laughs> 
Somebody yeah, along the end. And, and I just thought, you know, what your response to them and then also to your community online was so on point. So I want you to share that with us because I think there's a lot to learn in that moment. So many teachable moments with thank you kids for bringing that out of us. Oh my gosh. Yeah. My kids, um, yeah, one part made it into the book where my kids asked, um, why their friend had a dream house and we didn't. And, um, <laughs> and it's so hard to like say the right thing in the right moment. And I sort of brought up that example in the books. So my husband kind of disagreed with my answer in that instance. And we talked about it later, but um, yes, they think our house is too small. And so I reminded my son that it's a privilege to that your parents own a home. There's so many people in the world who are homeless. There's so many children who are um, not in the care of, of two parents and it takes a long time and a lot of hard work and a lot of saving in order to buy a home. And then I took them on a drive to the neighborhood and showed them houses that were smaller than ours. And I just kept pointing it out. That one's smaller, that one's smaller, that one's smaller, Oop, that one's bigger. So, you know, we're, you know, we're right in the middle and mom and dad are working hard and trust me, no one wants more space than me. All right. So, um, that's, that's just what I try to impart. It's hard. Their worldview is so limited. And like I said, they just turned seven. So they only know, our little friends they go to school with in our neighborhood. They haven't really been doing a ton of traveling. So, you know, their bubble is small. What did your husband think of that? Was that what he did? He disagree with that? No, he was good with that. Um, when I was talking about, you know, why his friend had a dream house, this house discussion's been coming up. I guess we're all cooped up. I said that, you know, his friend's parents worked really hard. Actually, that friend's um, dad was an entrepreneur and sold his business. And I was like, his friend's parents worked really hard. And my husband, you know, I always attach hard work to money. And my husband said, you know, there's so many hardworking people out there. There's some jobs that are grueling and they'll never have a house like that. Um, but it's really hard to explain like, well, son, you can create all this passive income. And when you invest and when you sell your company, you can have a house like that. But I, I was just kind of like, you know, if you keep reading your books and doing your math homework, then, you know, you can get there. Um, so he was, I think it was at a moment, my husband was like, he was, you know, in residency 80 hours a week is like, no one works harder than me. And I'm, I'm paid like a resident, that hard work thing. There was, yeah. a, there was some disagreement over that. Uh, yeah. I, I think you handled it really well. I think you're right. Your husband is right. It is hard to distill this for a six-year-old or a seven-year-old. It is not the full answer to say, well, they worked hard, certainly, uh, but your direction where you took them to other parts of your town to show all the different sizes of homes. And I think at the end of the day to put the focus back on what you have as opposed to what you don't have and not make this about a comparison, but everybody makes choices and we've chosen this home. We love it. We, you know, everybody gets their own room. It brings it, you know, it's small, but then we get to be closer to one another. You know, there's, yeah. I mean, you can, you can spin it. You can spin it however you want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you I are that up fun. for a bigger home. I also learned in the Instagram story. Yeah, for sure. Either that or renovating. I don't know. I really want to stay married. So I might just buy a different house instead of trying to, uh, trying to renovate. I don't know if we can deal with that. I don't know. So. Well, if you um, can, then you're never getting divorced. That's a right. thing is the test of a true marriage do we need any more tests though you know what I mean like like, 
<laughs> so yeah, I, I am. It's, you know, my husband, after 10 years of residency, med school residency and fellowship, he's starting his first attending job in July. So definitely it's nice to have the other income coming in and starting Certainly. this year. So I'm trying, um, I'm not going to upgrade my entire life, but you know, slowly little rewards along the way. So yeah, I think our house has one bathroom. That's been the biggest thing. You know, it's just a tiny, you know, cute little bungalow and, you know, we're all feeling it, <laughs> but yeah. thankful for it, like I said. Absolutely. So two more things I want to touch on. One is that, um, I know that you have been the breadwinner in your marriage as your husband's been going to medical school and residency. Mm -hmm. And and now is there going to be a flip in so far as you making less, him making more? What's where's the shift and what do you think about it? Well, we're we're in a friendly little competition. Uh-huh. Um, so I <laughs> I don't know. I might remain the breadwinner. Probably more likely this year he will be. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We're we're in a friendly competition where, where whoever wins we both win, right? So, um I think I think it's great. I think he will have more of a say in things that he has in the past. Um he has had his head down and he's been working and he's been letting me make most of the financial decisions, even like refinancing his loans, his bed schools, all these different things I've been doing, just like, by the way, I just sign here and I'm just taking care of all these different things. So he's going to have more of a say, um, which is, which is good. So I, I tend to be much more frugal, you know, I'll, I'll let things go. He tends to be like, you know, work hard, play hard, go big, go home. So I think we just need to have some nice compromises in the middle. I don't know what's going to happen, but I definitely, some of these early conversations of like, do you need a new house? Do you, you know, your car, you know, is, has lots of lights coming on it. You know, what's, I'm trying to like slow the roll and then pay off the med school loans. And he's like, woo. I'm so excited. Well, look, I mean, it sounds like y'all are talking a lot yeah. and having the conversations and it's front of mind. Maybe you don't have all the answers yet, but you'll figure it out. That's that's healthy. I'm glad to have, I'm glad to not, I don't know, sometimes being the breadwinner has, it's a lot of pressure sometimes. So I'm not going to sit back and eat bonbons, but I am grateful for the additional income that's going to be coming <laughs> Who in. is sitting back and eating bonbons? I mean, days? I don't know. I need to find these people <laughs> and bring them on the show and talk about what, See what it's like <laughs> up to. Yeah, you, you dedicate this book to the millennial mom. Yeah. So Millennial, millennials are getting up there. I'm, I'm yeah. like, I'm like, they're turning 40. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's 9 million millennial moms out there. And there, it's a big deck. It's a big range. You know, it's everyone from like, what, 28 to 40 or 25 mm-hmm. to 40 right now listening. And so very different life stages, mm-hmm. potentially. Um, you know, why, why millennials? I mean, other than the fact that you're among them, but Mm -hmm. do you still think that they're underserved in this department? We feel, I feel like everything has been catered to the millennials, (laughs) all the money advice is for the millennials. Yeah. I think millennials are just in a really interesting pinch. Um, They are, um, you know, I graduated in from college in 2009 with the first recession and they have student loans, but they're having children now um, on each end of the spectrum. They're starting to think about children. They're starting to either sell their first home, buy their first home. So there's this interesting like pinch in this exact moment where there's a lot of different financial decisions going on. A lot of millennials worrying that they're behind. 
and the expense of kids as well. Um, the 8 million extracurriculars that we all got a break from, all these different things. I wanted to sort of cater to this unique moment for millennial moms. Maybe there's a ton of a ton of it out there, but now there's another book. So. No, you're right. It's a continuum and it, everything is evolving. And as the world changes, the advice shifts. I think that's a good thing. I mean, you've been in this personal finance game your entire career. Uh, tell us about some of the changes you have implemented in the way that you give advice or the ways that you think about money that may have come about because of changes in the world. You know, I think uh, for me, for example, last summer, for all, like for all of us, with, you know, the civil rights movements and Black Lives Matter and even going back to before then, like Me Too, that movement really lit a fire under me. And, and so that has really informed so much of where I choose to spend my time researching and sharing advice and investing my, my time in helping women and helping people of color. But that's me. What has yeah. been something like that for you? I think that when I first started, I, you know, I kind of called myself like a family finance expert. So I used to talk a lot about, you know, the family unit. And I used to encourage people like, you know, you need to be on the same team as your husband. You need to join bank accounts so that you can be, you know, whole. But like the longer I did this and the more people I talked to and the more people reached out to me, I started to realize that you know, that cookie cutter advice is not going to work. And so in the book, I'm like, you know, we do it this way, but maybe you were in a past relationship where, you know, things went really wrong financially and you have this past experience and you want to have your own bank account. Fantastic. Or maybe you want to do it some other way. There's lots of different ways to do it. But I just encourage the open communication. And I, you know, I still focus on the family, but I've really leaned in hard to the moms because I still find even after all of this Me Too, even after all of this emphasis on female empowerment, that when it comes to money, research still keeps showing that women are not confident with their money. And even in my day-to-day -day conversations with friends, I had a friend the other day who has a degree in math, call herself like a dumb housewife. Her husband just does all the investing. And I was like, sis, you cannot say those words in front of me. So there's still so much uh, work to be done. And um, I just wanted to, to play a part in helping moms realize the power and skills they already have. It's a little bit, I think I was super nicey, like, yay, family money stuff in the beginning. And now I'm like, take a seat at the table, girl, ask the hard questions. Let's go. I think I've, I've gotten more outspoken as the years have gone on. Yeah. See everything in good time. Yeah. It's good. It's, it's everything when it happens when it's supposed to, um, you can't force a book. <laughs> Clearly, this was when I was meant to write it. After so many no's and years and so much trying, this this was supposed to be the moment for whatever reason. I guess we'll yeah. find out. <laughs> the growing pains yep. have all informed the words. Kat Alford, thank you so much. Moms, go get that money. Get her book, Mom's Got Money, A Millennial Mom's Guide to Managing Money Like a Boss. It's out everywhere. And we thank you so much for sharing your day with us. Thanks, Farnoosh, for having me. Thanks so much to Catherine for joining us. You can learn more about her at katherinealford.com. Kat's also the co-founder of millennialhomeowner.com, and her book, Mom's Got Money, is available everywhere. 
Thanks for tuning in, everybody. On Wednesday, you don't want to miss it. We have Rachel Rogers on the show. She is a dear friend, been on the show multiple times, this time to ring in the launch of her new book, We Should All Be Millionaires. It's a good one. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I hope your day is so money. Money.